So uh, Don is going to be preaching from John 3 from the Nicodemus story. So if you wouldn't mind turning in your Bible to John 3, um, you can find that on page 887 in the Pew Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the Pew provided for you, and you can find this passage on page 887. And we're going to read verses 1 to 17. So if, if, you're, if you don't mind, please stand with me in honor of God's word and follow along as I read. John 3, verses 1 to 17. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night And said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is God's word. You may be seated. It is always humbling to come back to the place that, you know, sort of turned us out and said, go get them, you know, uh, 40 years ago. And it really is a privilege. It's a joy. I, I, I told pastor, I don't know if I want to preach. I certainly don't want to teach. I'm not a theologian per se, I'd like to have devotions with you, maybe. Maybe we could call it that. Meditate a little bit um, this morning together. So uh, you have your Bibles open to, uh, to John chapter 3. And uh, I really have thought about this text uh, and as far as our, our trip gone, coming back home to the States this time. And the reason, by, the reason why is because I, I see a lot of things going on in Nicodemus's life. Um, here this man is, is uh, 
is a Pharisee, he knows a lot. He's ready to confront people and uh, debate them, dispute them. And, and here's a man who says, uh, I, I don't have it all together, and I got to go see the master. And then he chooses a time to do that, and, and it's at night. And um, I just related that to the people that I'm working with. I think I have a whole a country full of people, of Nicodemuses, that have a lot of baggage to deal with, um, whether it's physical or spiritual, and they need answers, but they... They need somewhere to go to, to to ask those questions, those hard questions. And so I, I dove into this text thinking about all of that stuff. France has, has a lot of issues going on. And, and for us, um, most of us would, would be able to go back. How many years is, in, is this country old? How many years is America old? Can anybody tell me? Huh? What did you say? 400, what, since, since independence? A little bit less, huh? Two forty, right, right around two fifty. Can you imagine just, um, just having a, that little bit of history, and that's all? And, and the French, they go back all these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of of baggage. That's what I call it, baggage. Um, you think about World War II. They saw Germany then. You go back a little, little before that, a hundred years ago. You saw them. Germany in World War I, then you saw Germany in the late, late 1800s. Um, they have all this baggage you're dealing with. You go through every village, you see all the people that were killed during those wars, the daddies, the uncles, the grandparents. They're all, they're all there on the monuments. Everybody's name is recorded. We, that's, that's baggage. And, uh, and it doesn't stop there. You go back to the early 1800s. Who was the big guy then? The right, Napoleon, the Napoleon, Napoleonic Wars. And so you've got this, this country that's been raked and raked and raked. And if that wasn't enough, old Benjamin Franklin gets a wise old idea, and he goes over there to Versailles, and he, he huddles up with Louis XVI, and he says, hey, we need some more French, right, to help us come and beat the English on something other than French soil. And so 1776, of course, that's a big deal for us. And, and again, baggage, baggage, baggage for the French. They've been raked. They've been that have to have to be submissive not only to their physical leaders, their kings, their emperors, um, even foreign foreign uh, adversaries, but there's also this this uh, spiritual baggage that's going on, where once again I believe the French have been raked and raked and raked, um, and and you know all about it, you know Catholicism in the state is, are one and the same. They're, that's the way they ruled. And uh, you have all of this in the minds and the hearts of the people that are coming into the coffee house. Can you imagine all that? All that pressure building up, all that baggage that's there, and really kind of nowhere to, to go with it. And then all of a sudden, some pastor and his wife opens up a coffee house, and man, it is prime time for questions, incognito, going undercover, and let's, uh, let, it, let it all hang out. Isn't that great? I mean, that is beautiful. And that's what Nicodemus is doing with Jesus. He's saying, man, we have all this baggage. We're under submission from, from Rome, and yet we're, we're the Jewish state, and what, what is our place, and all this. And then you come on the scene, Jesus, and, 
And there we have it in the text. John 3, it, it's, it's so neat. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night because it just got too much. And he had to have some answers. We know that Jesus just cleaned their clocks, cleaned the temple out in the, in the chapter before. He's heard about all this stuff. He, he knows what's going on. But Nicodemus is under pressure, and he says, I know where I can deal with this pressure. I need to get to the, to the Savior. So, you know, uh, it is really interesting to do a study on this man. Um, the... Uh, the Nicodemuses are all around us. They're in here, right here in the States. They're just waiting for an opportunity. Um, and uh, I, just, I just love it. So, you know, most people are just put on a face. It's, it's called hypocrisy, and they hide. But uh, Nicodemus says, no, i got to deal with this. Um, uh, so he does it, and he does it incognito, discreet, why? Why do you think Nicodemus went to Jesus by night? What was his greatest problem? Think about it with me. We're having devotions. Does anybody want to, want to say? What do you say? Because of the other Pharisees. So what does that translate into? What? Fear. Fear of other people. What are they going to say? I mean, we've got something here to defend. And if I go see Jesus, what is going to happen to me? What is, you know, am I going to be ousted? So the fear factor, that's there. The conviction that Christ is the Son of God is not in his head, but he's going for it. He's going for it. He's looking at it. And so, and so he, he does, he comes, he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you, have, that you do unless God is with him. Rabbi, you're a miracle-working person from God. That was it. Because that's what he saw. Baggage or no baggage, he's laying it all out now. What does Jesus do with Nicodemus? That was just a statement, a conviction that he had. He hadn't started his questions yet. What does he do? Does he follow up on that? What does Jesus do in the text? Please follow with me. We're going to look at the, the questions. Um, and, and, and also the, the statements, the, the life-saving answers that Jesus gives them. I believe that Christ goes a whole other way. He says, here's a man who's taken an opportunity late at night to do something with me. I'm going to give him life-saving stuff. Isn't that right? It motivates me in the coffee house to not just fiddle around with these people. Somewhere along the line, the walls have to come down, but we've got to get to Bible study. We've got to get to life-saving gospel. Is that right or not? I thought I'd give it an amen. We can't, we can't fool around. We don't have enough time. Our lives aren't long enough. And these people are dying. We, I, just told, I just showed you how they were dying. We've got baggage to beat the band. Someone has to step in. Someone has to say, this is how it is. And that's what Jesus does. Jesus answers, answers him and says, okay, he's going this way, I'm going this way. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God because that's what Nicodemus was all about. What about the kingdom of God? I'll tell you how to get to the kingdom of God. You must be born again. 
Born again, what does that mean to a Pharisee? And so, and so Christ uh, steps it up a notch. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he is old? So he's going the physical. And Jesus is going to be on a fast track to say there's more than physical, there is spiritual. Okay? And someone is overseeing that. The Spirit of God is overseeing that. And you have to be convicted. So can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Of course not. You know, rhetorical question. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And there it is again, the kingdom of God. And he's just throwing these little things out at Nicodemus and he's grabbing his ear. Kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. How do we get there? You must be born again. You ever get this far with your people that you deal with? I mean, think about the last time you laid out the gospel for somebody. And you drove them to that? How many people in the last week did you drive to, to this position? Now we read this stuff. You know, Nicodemus, it, it's so cool to study this man because it's in the same chapter we get the verse that everybody knows in the Bible, right? The follow-up on Nicodemus and this whole conversation ends up in cha chapter 3, verse 16. And what does that say? Everybody knows it. Quote it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have. So we're talking about big-time stuff. And everybody's been quoting that to their kids ever since. And how did, all that, how did that happen? How did this chapter come to be? It came to be, it started off, in, in, in John's mind, he started off with Nicodemus. you got to be saved. you got to be born again. Let's talk about what means something. And so, as I said in my last prayer letter, I think we need to be soul people. We know how to do it physically. You know that? You guys, I look at you. Man, Greg, I mean, we know how to work, don't we? We know how to make money, don't we? We know how to do the physical stuff. Do we know how to do the spiritual stuff? The soul stuff? Are we soul people? Are we really soul people? Is that what makes a difference between us and everybody else out there? And what does that mean? You must be born again. How many times have you said that this week? When do we get there? I'm convicting myself. You know, I had a guy coming in two or three times a week. And I've been breaking down the walls and we've been talking about differences between Catholicism and Protestantism. And this guy's name is James. I told Sue before she left, she flew away before I did to the States. I said, honey, you've got to pray for James. I haven't seen James. For some reason, God's given me all this conviction and I can't see another... I just don't want to see another French soul die. And the coffee house is crazy because it's making me have contacts with hundreds of souls. And James, the last time he was in there, there was another old fellow and he, he couldn't see. 
So I was taking time, and I said, James, I'll be right with you, you know? And, uh, and he says, well, I just, want a, I just want a little espresso. So, yeah, I pull the portafilter, run the espresso, you know, do the shot, give it to him, and James goes and sits down. In the meantime, I'm helping this older couple, and this older couple, he can't see. So I'm helping him sit down in, in his chair, and then I, I gave him his dessert, and, and, and James is right there, and he's watching every move. And then I took his took his hand and I stuck it on top of his dessert and I showed him where the dessert was and I showed him where his coffee was so he could do it without spilling. And this is another guy we've been, we've been working with for a long time. And James came to me and he says, yeah, you can serve me my espresso. He says, when I said to him, how can I serve you? He says, you can't imagine how you could serve me. My, I just caught that little phrase and I thought, man, what's going on? And uh, that's the last time I saw him. It's been six weeks. Been there two or three times a week. What's going on? My soul aches for James. I mean, I got to get, I know where his daughter works up in Rass in another city, and I'm going to drive up there and talk to her. I got to find her daddy because I don't know what's going on. And I want to know. I just want to know this morning that we're on the same page, that you sent me out there to do this job in France and that you're doing the job here. It's just that simple. Don't tell me we just got to make enough money so that we can do that on the side. You know, it's got to be our focus. You must be born again. So, on he goes. Unless you're born of the water and spirit. So now we've got to figure out the spirit. Where does the spirit come in? How much dependency do we have on it? Where, where is the spirit moving? We have to be sensitive to that. And the spirit saves. Nicodemus says in verse 9, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. Stop and think about what you're saying. I'm here in front of you. You don't believe. Truth has to be placed out in front of people. If they don't have an opportunity to hear truth, they're not going to respond. You, you think it's going to happen osmosis? Jesus wasn't, wasn't buying that. He was telling them. No one has ascended into heaven except he who is descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And here I am. And as Moses lifted up the serpent, and then he, now he's prophesying, using an Old Testament illustration, the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And do you know what? He was there. Nicodemus was there. Do you know that? I, I have a couple of, of references for you. John 7, 43 and 53, where he's defending Christ a bit and saying, no, you can't bring a guy in that, that hasn't been tried by law. And then John, John not, not just in John 7, but in John 19, 39, you know who, who's there when they're taking Jesus down from the cross? Nicodemus. And he's bringing on the ointment. 
embalming and, and blessing the Lord's, the Lord's body at that point that had been crucified with his gifts. Nicodemus, I believe, got it. Did he get it before Christ died? I don't know. But all I'm saying is that all those things built up in his mind so that he had to make some decisions. And it came from faithfulness. You know, we're not going to always see the results in our lives. We just have to be faithful. You must be born again. You must be born again. You must be born again. Sue and I need prayer that we not cut short. It's so good. You should see her desserts. We could talk about those desserts all day in the coffee house, and they want to. We got to get past a cappuccino with great art latte on the top and great dessert to the message why we're there. You must be born again. I want to, to close today with a prayer from Reuben Salins. I, I brought this great book with me, and I think I've showed it to you before. It's called The Soul of France. And uh, Reuben Salins ends his, ends his uh, great book with, with a, a, a prayer, and I wanted to, to read some of that for you. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a good Frenchman, and he does a great job on, on bringing us through the historical, um, the historical process and, and all the gifts that the French people uh, gave to the world of evangelism. And I mean, he goes back way beyond Calvin. You should, you should see the, the French Huguenots that he's brought up and, 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 and gives testimony to in this, this great book. But he ends this, he ends this, um, this, this book with, with a prayer, and I, and I thought it was really important for you to hear some of it. So um, I would like to just read, read a bit for you uh, from a man who, who loves France. Um, and so... We are quite sure, as he closes out his book in this prayer, and he's, he's writing this prayer, we are quite sure that no spiritual movement will have real and permanent value which will not give the first place to the work of the redemption accomplished of, on Calvary, to the written word of God as, to the, as the only source of redemptive truth and to the Holy Spirit as life-giving, life-propagating power. There will, be, there will be no genuine religious revival which will not respect to the fullest extent the individual conscience. It's not just about the church in general. We shall therefore conclude with this, the fervent expression of our hope and trust, and we would embody our sentiments in a prayer which has been burning in our hearts ever since the beginning of this war, and he's writing right, right during World War I. We beg our Christian readers to join us, if not in the words, at least in the spirit of it. Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, who has made of one every nation of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed seasons and their bounds of their habitation. He goes down and, 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 and says, we humbly come to thee in the name of thy son Jesus Christ with our, with our prayer and supplication on behalf of this our country, which we love and which thou hast loved also, the fair country of France. O Lord, Save France. Can you imagine? This guy 
was weeping over his brethren a long time before Don Marshall was thought about. And I wonder, could we echo those same words? Oh Lord, save Wilmington. Wouldn't it be great if in unison we could say that? Oh Lord, save Wilmington. Shall we pray? God, we, we thank you for our little devotion time. Thank you for Bethel who so consistently loved Sue and I and allowed us with their prayers and their, their money to go to Mali and then to France. Lord, help us to be faithful, to not just do coffee or do stuff, but really work the adventure of salvation. Lord, we need to see souls saved in France because of the ministry we do. And I know Bethel people need to see souls saved in Wilmington. Help us as we, as we give out the gospel, as we disciple people, as we see the church, your church, grow and your kingdom expand. And I thank you for this opportunity in Jesus' name, amen.